0: at that point, because once we start thinking about the blessing of God, and when we start thinking about our spiritual forebears, by that I mean Christians who have gone before and whose sacrifice, and that's the word, not their prosperity, their sacrifice has meant that you and I can be here today... Celebrating our faith in Christ and speaking of Him. Very often, when we look at what looks like blessing upon the church in the past, has looked like persecution to the world. There's a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. But does that mean that we're cursed by God? Does it When we are struggling, does that mean that God is cursing us? No, not necessarily. I just think that whilst peace and prosperity is definitely on the menu, on the agenda, actually the blessing of God sometimes looks rather diff- different to that which we expect. Now, uh, a few weeks ago we, we did a survey and uh, we uh, have been looking at Various stats, and thank you for all of you who filled in the, the statistical hard copy survey. I think we had 350 people. Darling, let me just wave that. Just give me that here. This is my lovely wife. You remember this thing? 350 people filled that in, which is about a third of the church, which, is, which was great, outstanding. Statistically, so we're told, and I know nothing about these things, we've been told that that is a very, very good uptake. And uh, we're still collating that. uh, We've we've got a couple of volunteers in, and they're helping us. Rear and uh, I can't remember the other lady's name, but two volunteers are helping us collate this information. It's turning out to be an enormous task, but incredibly valuable. And uh, the other one we did was an online uh, survey, which uh, we had about 250 people fill that in. Again, that's a good representation statistically. Uh, I got an email from those guys this week because this is an outside company that sorts this out. And it says, basically, it says, "We uh, we, we were reviewing it last week. We found the results were statistically different than both the US and Germany. And our intent would be to generate a unique set of paradigms for the UK. In other words, the churches, and there were about half a dozen of us in the UK doing this pilot scheme, we're we're a special case. <laughs> we're very special. So they looked at the statistics. I'm not sure whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but it sort of blew the machine up or something. And so they're having to work out a whole new grid, to a whole new category. Just probably just say weird. You know, that's probably simplest. A whole new category to assess that. But but it was really it's very very interesting. And we're serious about asking the question: How are we doing? Why don't I move this out the way? Because I can't really see you guys. And if I can't see you, you can't see me. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Ian. So we're looking forward to all of that. But there were some early... There were some early kind of um, things that we didn't need to be rocket scientists to to pick up on. And one of the fact is that we are really, really stretched for space here now. I mean... uh, This is a holiday weekend, but believe me, it gets fuller than this regularly. And we, in the paper copy thing, found out that you guys hate not being able to park your car. And parents, those of you who have kiddies, you hate being turned away from the classes. These were just some of the things. And do you know what? I agree with you. That sucks. I mean, we have capacity here for over 130 children. But to be turned away because there's not enough room, that is that's something that I've, I find difficult to live with. And I know my staff and our children's department, we have a wonderful staff under Claire Wilson's leadership and Nam and Kev, who is coming on staff shortly. They're really worried about that. And many of you are, are helping in that area. We have over 100 volunteers who work on a rotor system in the children's ministry alone and uh, they feel bad about saying to people I'm sorry we're full up so we've got to do something about that we've got to look at the whole children's ministry thing but you know it's not just about us trying to manage better in order to get our heads around this in order to understand this In order to sort of get, you know, our hearts behind this, we've got to understand the heart of God. I love, uh, Erwin McManus says, the essence of the church forms out of the very person of God. God's character informs the Christian community. So at one level, you could just say we've got a logistical space management problem. But actually, the problem is because of God's heart and the compassion and the way you are engaging with God's heart. Now let me back up, I'm going to do my preach now and hopefully at the end of it you'll understand a little bit more clearly what it is I'm getting at here. But this talk is called The Gathering God. There's been a number of versions about this over the years. As you know, we have a kind of a little tagline, gather, grow, give. To gather all who are searching for God, to grow in God's love and to give it away. Well, all of that comes out, as, as Erwin McManus says, out of the very character of God. It's as we've grown in our understanding about God's character, about his preoccupations, what blessing looks like to him, what blessing us looks like in his eyes. As we've understood that more, we've tried to rejig the church in order to reflect his passion. His compassion and His vision. So that's what we're trying to do. I remember, and I've quoted this once or twice just recently, but we had our Global Leadership Summit, which we host here in the autumn. There, Bono was saying, you know, all too often the Christian church is saying, Father, I'm doing this, bless me. It's like we, we, we start something and then we want God to bless it. But he said, have you ever thought that it might be a better idea to find out what God is blessing and then fall in line with that? That for me was one of those Homer Simpson moments. Duh! You know, or do. Anybody do a better impression of Homer Simpson than I? Come on, one, two, three. Yeah, that's pretty good. Somebody over there. Sounded like you got it. You've obviously had a lot of practice. (laughs) You see what I'm saying, you know, we we got loads of ideas I mean, somebody, bless their hearts, wrote to me just recently with a whole load of ideas And, and, and I, I loved every one of them, there wasn't one of them I didn't like You may be in the congregation here There wasn't a single idea I didn't like But you know what? Believe it or not, in this community, it's not ideas that we're short of We're short of refreshment crew, we're short of servant hearts And people like that, and that's an incredible thing to say But But actually... If I could just lock into one or two of God's ideas, and then give my life to that, then I think I'd be doing a good thing. Somebody want to say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. So the gathering God then, what does the blessing of God look like? Well, of course, those of you who know your Bibles a little bit, will know that there is a, a, a sort of golden thread that runs through the Scriptures about the blessing of God. It's, it's actually something that a great deal of time is spent exploring and, and reflecting upon. And kings are, are sort of weighed by whether or not they're in the blessing or out of the blessing, or how they're. It's one of these kind of threads that weaves through history. And the blessing begins, reference to it, it, begins right in the book of Genesis with Abraham. Now Abraham is referred to with great reverence by the Jewish faith of course but also as Christians we Paul refers to him as the father of our faith this whole Judeo Christian thing has a sort of you know a continuity there and so the first kind of blessing that we we uh or not the first but one of the earliest blessings that we come across is when God blesses Abraham and what does it say here let me just kind of reference here God says uh, Hang on a minute, that's the wrong place God is is talking to Abraham And Abraham is is asking him for a blessing He has a particular thing on his heart That is worrying him And then the Lord says to him Okay, I'm going to bless you Now come with me, son And he takes him outside And it's a beautiful, clear night Not unlike, I guess, the kind of nights We're having at the moment Wonderful, clear, crisp, cold nights Except that, of course, if you're in the country And there's no light pollution then Then... A wonderful spectacle will greet you. Perhaps you've been on holiday or vacation somewhere and you've been somewhere out of the city and you look at the sky, up, up at the sky and you see the stars. And Abraham goes outside, he looks up and then Father God says to him, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. You see, what was happening there was Abraham. They were—they hadn't even got one child, but Father God was going to bless him not with one more, not just with the one child, with many children. And this aspect of the blessing—whether for you it's peace and prosperity, or just simply a parking space on a Monday—this is something that is very, very, very tied up with the whole concept. Of God's blessing. More and more and more people. You know, Luke 15 has uh, a number of stories there. We've looked at them many times. I'm not going to go through them all again, but you might like to just remind yourself this coming week and just reflect upon the stories in Luke 15. And there's this, there are three stories of something being lost and then being found. Something being lost and then being found. And at every time that something is found, there's a little refrain in all the different stories. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. For I have found my lost sheep, my lost coin, my lost son. And indeed, you know, the heart of God in this is kind of summed up in verse 32. But it says, when it says, uh, we have had to celebrate because this brother of yours who was lost, who was dead, is now alive again. That which was lost has been found. So there's this whole side of side of the God's character where He is restless and anxious about the fact that there are still His kids out there that are lost. Actually, says you know. In heaven, they party. They rejoice at one sinner coming home. Do you know that when, if you are a follower of Jesus, when you crossed the line, when you said the prayer, when you came home to Jesus, whatever language you care to use, do you know that they parted in heaven because of that? Yesterday, we were at a lovely wedding. Uh, one of our, our worship intern was getting married. Dear Joe Bluston and Emma, God bless them. A number of us were at that wedding, a lovely sunny day and beautiful grounds to the place where the wedding and reception was. And there were lots of kids running around and all the parents whose kids were there, you could see they had that kind of nervous twitch. So you'd be having a conversation with them and they would be fully engaged, but every now and then they'd sort of, this sort of flicker of uncertainty would go across their face and they'd go like that, you know, like a kind of a nervous, hey," you know, it, totally involuntary you know the kids were going crazy running around the grounds and hitting each other with croquet mallets and you know getting up to all sorts of fun but you were just and I you know my granddaughter was there was part of this whole nervous twitch gig and 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 you know you are engaging and you're enjoying but you you know you're distracted about where your little one is and of course I I guess it probably happened with every single parent there because during the course of the four hours or so we were there there was one point where my granddaughter River went missing where is she? well she was found in about 26 seconds flat but those 26 seconds were the longest 26 seconds of my life any parent? will know that. I remember Fliss and myself shortly after we moved down to this area, we moved into Chorley Wood, that was where we moved to when we came down from from Leeds. We went shopping in Watford and we did a bit of shopping we were came back to the car park and we have four children and we got into the car and I th- looked in the rearview mirror and there was someone missing and we'd lost Sam <laughs> and we'd been deep in conversation and we'd sort of ducked up a side alley and he'd carried on walking and we'd Suddenly we realised we were down to five, you know And so Fliss kind of freaks And jumps up the car And I say, oh it doesn't matter, we've got three more, you know <laughs> No I didn't I didn't, I'm just joking, I'm playing but The fact we had three was no comfort It was the one that was missing That there was the one that really freaked us out Do you realise it freaks God's heart out But there's some kids that should be here Look around at these empty seats They should be here and they're not it bothers him you may like it because it means you've got somewhere to put your coat and you can put your handbag and you can put your tree warm mints <laughs> and you can stretch out of it. it does not bless him it does not bless him he's like that restless fretful parent who has lost sight of that precious child That's why in Luke 15, this refrain keeps repeating itself. You know, rejoice with me, I found that which was lost. That's how Father God is. And as I keep saying, because I'm I'm saying it to myself, but I'm saying it about the church in the 21st century. Man, we are so preoccupied with our own stuff, our own comfort, our own likes and dislikes. We ought to be discomforted and fretful about what God is discomforted and fretful about. There will come a time, thank God, when we'll all come home. And then there will be the mother of all parties, the feast of the Lamb. But until that time, we should be about our Father's business. Luke 19.10, Jesus Christ said, The reason the Son of Man came was to seek and to save the lost. Period, as they say in the States. Whatever you thought Jesus was about, the reason the Son of Man came was to seek and to save the lost. And if we're to be the kind of church in the 21st century that shares that passion, that single-minded focus and devotion, we're going to have to make changes. Do you know, five, six years when we moved into this place, I thought, phew, we've arrived. Boy, was I wrong. Within two years, we were having, I actually found it in my one of my journals. I was on holiday and the Lord spoke to me. It was not something I wanted to do because I was exhausted about all that had gone before, the 18 years that had gone before. But the Lord said to me, you have to put that balcony in, Chris. And I really didn't want to do that. That was going to be a whole new capital campaign. That was going to be a whole load of inconvenience. You know, a logistical nightmare. But we did it. And today there's, what, 100 people up there. Week on, week out, it's full up there. I am so glad that we bit the bullet and did that. So the church of Jesus Christ needs to get... On, we, we need to engage with this gathering God aspect. Now, I'll be the first to say... And that these are challenging times these are very challenging times you know, uh, when I first came into the ministry well, I don't like doing this kind of thing but it was a few years ago now it was nearly 30 years ago when I started wet behind the ears, foolish and thought I knew it all but I used to do this talk then about the, um, about poverty One of one of the I was, working with, uh, I was an industrial chaplain working with engineering industry uh, apprentices and I, we used to look at a whole number of issues politics, religion, life, blah, blah, blah filling in a form you know. but we did poverty as well and at that time part of that talk I remember very clearly was, was you know there are 4 billion people on the face of this planet how the heck are we going to feed them? Do you know, it was only about 60 years ago that the population in the world finally hit one billion. 60 years ago. By the year 2000, just 10 years ago, it was up to six billion. Do you know what the figure is now? Pushing eight. Eight billion. The growth is exponential. But all too often, you know, the church is just content to do what it did before with one or two little bolt-on accessories. Oh, well, we'll do a, we'll do a tent mission in the summer of 2011. Man! We face extraordinary challenges. Worldwide, as I've said just recently on two or three occasions, according to Tierfund's latest research, the church is absolutely ripping away It's good news. In the West, we're still playing catch-up. We really are. There's a lot to do. But if they're challenging times, I want to say something else. God chooses the times. God chooses the times. At the wedding yesterday, there was a little preach on On a passage out of the book of Ecclesiastes where God says there's a time for this and a time for that. There's a long list of, some of you will know the passage I'm referring to. Time for this, a time for that, time for the other, time to love, time to hate, time to, and it goes on and on and on. God chooses the times. And if we feel a little bit pressured, if you like, by the challenge of living in this day and age in the West as a Christian church, I want to say something to you. God has chosen us to be Christians in this age. God chose you. God chose me. God chose us together. You know, God believes in us. God believes in the church. He believes in our ability and capacity to make the sacrifice, to to look at innovative new ways of doing church, In order to impact This Exploding This exploding population We are in the right Place At the right time And God believes in us These are Extraordinary challenging times Erwin McManus and others And I think I'm coming around to thinking This myself Believes that that God has, has put us on this planet at this time because we will rise to the challenge he's not pessimistic, he's optimistic and what's more he believes that God is going to pour out his spirit and in an extraordinary, unprecedented and unexpected way we were talking amongst the pastors at the Wednesday prayer meeting I, I host here and there are a growing number of stories of, of unusual little experiences I, I told them about the teeth People are talking about that in Stevenage That got their attention It's caused them to wonder But you know there was a, a, our Alpha group uh, I had not had permission to share this story so I won't, I won't use names But but a bunch of the, the girls on the, who are currently going through the Alpha course, nearing the, its end, they decided to, there was one week where the, there was going to be a pub night, and so the girls went off for a for a night together. It was lovely. They, lots of new friends, and so they all took themselves off to the pub, and the person who was kind of loosely organizing this said, went to a pub and said, is it okay if I bring about 20 or young ladies down here on such and such a night we're not a hen party honest just want to come for a drink so they came down they had a lovely evening at the end of the evening the landlady said so what is it you are then and she said we're a church she said oh um, what is that sort of interfaith or something Uh, and this lady asked a whole load of questions which clearly indicated she was clueless about anything to do with the faith but she was asking questions She wouldn't let it drop she, she kept asking, kept coming back with another question And in the end the, the simplest thing to do was to say Why don't you come along sometime? I think you might enjoy it So God is at work devising Ways of bringing people home The tent mission and I've done them I've done them, I enjoy them I know, I know, don't look at me like that I know, know. I've done them There was a time and a season for that But there are different ways of doing things now Different challenges, different opportunities So the, the gathering church then How do we respond to that? How do we begin to look at that? One of the things we're trying to do here, as many of you know, and are part of part of, if you like if I dare use the term, the success of what we are is that we're creating a non-religious ethos here. I don't talk about this very often. I talk about it to our leaders from time to time. but we're creating a place that looks vaguely familiar. Often Christians come into this place and they go, "Wow!" But you know, people who aren't Christians yet, they come in and they don't even look to give it a second thought. Why? Because it looks like a food court or it looks like the gym. It's the kind of environment that they're used to. And that's the point. We could have made this a kind of mock, you know, French cathedral. This was just a shell. We could have put up stained glass windows and... Crosses and had incense and had chapels to this and chapel to that, but we opted not to when the sheet was a blank sheet We opted not to do church in that way We opted to make it familiar. We opted to make this feel like an auditorium and Less like a church why because those who are coming back to Jesus are easily scared They're freaked out by weirdness They're freaked out by religion. But they do find Jesus interesting. Jesus I can handle, but this church thing, ah. Man, have I heard that a lot of times. So we've worked hard over the years on creating an ethos here where people can come. And I had a conversation yesterday, and this is one I have time and time again, where one of our own people, who I don't know very well was chatting at this wedding and they said one of the things I love about Vineyard is that I can bring my colleagues from work I can bring my friends and neighbour without a hint of embarrassment knowing that they can come here and they won't be put off by the surroundings or the people but they will catch a glimpse of Jesus I think it's one of those ideas that has come into its own. Now, if you were raised a Christian, God bless you. You had an advantage that I certainly didn't have, and many people here didn't have. And probably when God kick-starts again, that, that hankering for him, you know, maybe because of some life crisis a, a child born as was the case in in me or a, a redundancy or, or whatever something happens in your life when you begin to think about the faith maybe if you were raised a Christian you will find yourself going back to the Methodist church or the, the Baptist church down the road or the Anglican church well God bless you this city is full of good churches and I can say that hand on heart but the reality is that not everybody had that kind of background It's not going home for many people They're like the landlady in the pub Intelligent, bright, articulate, but clueless And if you're here this morning, my darling Please forgive me And, and, and um, I'm sorry I've, I'm misrepresenting you But for most people, they want, to engage, they want God There's a yearning inside them it says God has put eternity in our hearts That's everyone Not just the religious people God has put eternity in our hearts And there is something that is restless for God And for him alone I have a number of Part of my extended family is uh, We have a number of Irish Catholics The Irish church it has been in the news recently For all sorts of reasons You know what I'm talking about There's been comments and things like that. Do you know the thing that I find so sad in all of this is that unlike the English, the Irish are a religious people. They are there is a predisposition to cry out to God, to have faith. May not be there in a hundred years' time, but that's been my observation. And yet, there is such wrath, such indignation, such despair with the established expressions of the church. It's very tough. It's very, very tough. So, there is room for new expressions. And I hope, you know, there will be vineyards and other streams planting as they are already in, in Ireland. But all of this is about devising ways that God can come, that, that, that people can come home to the Lord. So where does this all lead us? God has a gathering heart. If we're to reflect his priorities, if we're to embrace and celebrate and recognize even God's blessing, we will know and accept and understand that more people is part of God's blessing. It's a sign of blessing. So if you arrive a little bit late and you can't park your car or, God forbid, you can't check your kitty in, I am so sorry. But there's nothing we can do about that because people are pouring in. But what I can say is that we, for our part, will try and make intelligent and sensible changes that will facilitate more growth. So, for example, Rick's already made some mention of it. One of the things that came out of the the paper survey is that about forty percent of you said that you would not be you would not mind coming to a service at nine thirty in the morning. Another forty percent said you wouldn't mind coming at an eleven thirty service. And there was a sort of an even mix of, of families in that. Now, of course. Not, about 60% of the congregation have families. Not everybody has families. You know, we mustn't you know, say this is all about kids, but, but kids are a very important part of who we are. And so one of the things we're going to do is, as from May the 23rd, and there'll be lots of reminders of this, we're going to change our two service times to 9.30 and 11.30. We're going to make the content of the two services as as similar as we possibly can. There's always distinctives. And for those of you who, who know that about the 1159 service, we're going to try and keep a little Q&A thing at the end of that service. But one of the most important things about this is that it will, we hope, as, as you divide between those two services, some, some of you going to the 1130 and some of you going to the 930, you will free up parking space And also because we have already hired more staff as part of of our children's ministry, we are hoping and planning and working towards, we've been working on this for some time now, towards having children's ministry at the two services. At the moment, if you want to be part of our wonderful children's program, you have to come to the 10 o'clock service. But uh, the team has been working flat out. Many of you are part of that. You leaders and, and, and group leaders, you've been in conversation with Claire and the rest, and, and we're planning to run a full children's program at both services. So we're hoping that that's going to really work and, uh, and that people will, will, will split. Now, that is going to buy us time, we hope. Suddenly there will well I don't know, will there be a drop in numbers every time we do something new here it seems like we fill up the capacity again but, but we're hoping that that will buy us some time while we look at other things, satellite churches we're still looking at, don't tell the directors this but I'm even talking about lo- and looking at building another building <laughs> I think I got away with it Rick You see what what is beginning to grip me and I know because I've had conversations with you guys what's beginning to grip us is that wouldn't it be terrible if through inactivity or not willing to make the sacrifice or not willing to make necessary changes we just plateaued when there's 8 billion people and rising many of them who as God said to Jonah outside of Nineveh don't know their right hand from their left and I have compassion for them please God let this church be a church that is willing to do whatever it can in its small way in the face of 8 billion in its small way to make room so that Papa can find his kids and bring them home rejoicing. Amen. So change is in the air. If we're sweet with one another, if we're nice to one another, we might just get through this one, like the last one. But do you see what it is? It's not just tinkering with timings. It's because we are following a God who is a gathering God that we have to be a gathering people. It's his heart in us, being willing to shuffle up the seat, to pick up our coat and put it under the seat or on our lap or whatever. So one last thing I want to do before we finish, and that's uh, that this place runs on a huge sea of volunteers I've mentioned the hundred or so children's workers. There's over a hundred people who are involved in some shape or form in leadership. People who are leading life groups, people who are leading refreshment groups, people who are leading leading parking groups, people who are leading the stewards, people who are leading worship, people who are leading groups in the children's ministry, people who are leading prayer teams, people who are leading... And so it goes on over a hundred people and this transition, this change this, this growing up calls for good leadership you know, it's easy to be a leader when things are going well it's when, as I call it when the train is clattering over the points with a lot of noise and there's a change of direction that's when you need leaders leaders are best and, and meant for the difficult times you know, Mickey Mouse can lead when it's going easily but le- leaders are called to comfort, encourage, and inspire our people when we're going through times of transition. So this morning, if you are a leader in any capacity, I'd love you just to stand where you are now. We're going to pray for you. Whether you're up there, down there, just stand up wherever you are. You're leading a sofa group in the, the women's thing. Whatever you are, wherever you are, just stand up where you are. Up there on the balcony too. That's great. Okay, folks, you can see these these folks standing. Would you now just shuffle around them and place a hand on them? We're just going to pray God's blessing upon them at this time. You know, it's more than timings. It's more than nine thirty and eleven thirty. There is something profound going on here. We need good leadership. We need to support and encourage our leaders. If you're a leader and nobody's praying for you or got a hand on you just raise your hand now let's make sure that that everyone who's a leader are you guys leaders up there? Because Have some people go over and stand around there's a couple over there I've got spotlights in my eyes so it's hard for me to see just wave your hand if you've not got anybody standing next to you Bless you guys Wonderful Okay could I have the worship? No, I won't do that now because we may be getting prayer. Let's just pray. Father God, we want to say thank you that you give us these wonderful folk in these most challenging of times. We ask, Lord God, that you would bless them, that wherever they serve and whatever they do, that they would they would know that they weren't just laying a brick, but they they were building a cathedral. Lord, just as you put eternity in our hearts, Lord, would you give the big vision, the heart of God, would you put that in them now, so that they will help to burp and comfort and encourage and challenge their teams and help them work it through and talk it through and be possibility thinkers not just grouchers and groaners Lord just bless them now as each of them has to make changes and and look and devise new ways so that ultimately people can come back to Christ Father we bless you again for them Holy Spirit, fall upon them now. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to wait for a moment or two. You might like to, little prayers all around the room, just pray for these guys. You may know them or you may not know them. Just pray quietly for a minute or two for these folk. Thank you, Lord. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you can pray out loud so those standing with you can catch the prayer too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that as we uh, as we pick up our stuff and move again, Lord God, you would bless us and that. We would please you by our attitude and willingness to to sacrifice and to grow. And everybody said, Amen.